Anytime a guy like me posts videos on YouTube saying something negative about a false teacher, it's almost like bombs over Berlin with judge knots coming from liberal evangelical people who could not tell you five verses in the Bible to save their life. To them, the worst thing you could ever do is say something negative about another Christian, another ministry. It's not of God. The next aspect of this false spirit working today is not only is positivity, but it makes you this. It makes you worldly. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. Ephesians 2, 2 says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And so you'll see that this spirit will actually make you a part of this world system. It'll make you cool. It'll make you hip. And quite frankly, I'm convinced that all the movie stars and, and almost all the major musicians of today are so intoxicated and so filled with this false spirit that it literally controls their life. stars and modern musicians today claim that they get their inspiration for their lyrics by communing with some spiritual force in their personal lives. And so this is no secret. This is not some conspiracy. This is this is a factual thing. The false spirit will make you in line with the trends of this world.
that's just basic theology for you. But the true Holy Spirit of God won't make you worldly. The true Holy Spirit of God will make you this. Won't make you worldly. It'll make you holy, though. To take a step towards God is to take a step away from this world. And holiness is always the mark of the working of the Holy Spirit. To say that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, but you do not live a holy life, is foolishness. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. And verse number 7 says this, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. The Holy Spirit of God will always work holiness into the lives of the people that he works in. The next aspect of this false spirit that works in people's lives today is not only that it's positive and as worldly, but it also leads you into it leads you into theological error. Everybody who is indwelt with this false Holy Spirit is led always, 100% of the time, into theological error away from God and away from the Bible. In the book of Hosea, which is a fascinating book, I, I love that book, it talks about these people who are communing in mystery religion and the spirits working in their lives. And it says in there in Hosea chapter 4, verse 12, My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their gods. So you see there's a different spirit working in these people. The Bible also says in Hosea chapter 5, verse 4, they will not frame their doings to turn unto their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. You see, these people, the spirit of whoredoms is what the Bible calls this. And they have not known the Lord. They go into theological error as a result. And the opposite of that happens when the Holy Spirit's working in a person's life. They don't go into error. They go into, they go into true Bible doctrine. And we always say all the time, doctrine matters because the Holy Spirit will lead you into Bible doctrine doctrine. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So you'll find there that the Holy Spirit will lead you into the correct doctrine about who Jesus Christ is. The Bible also says in 1 John 4, 3, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already in the world. 1 John 4, 6 says this, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So you see there that there's two spirits here. There's the spirit of truth, which is we put doctrine right here. And then also there's the spirit of error. There are two spirits working in the world according to the Bible. Now, this is the one that a lot of people are going to get off the bus, but I want you to really hear me. The next aspect of the working of the false spirit in people's lives is this. It's all based on feelings. The false spirit that works in people's lives, everything that it does is based on emotion. It's based on euphoria. It's based on giving you some sort of spiritual moving experience 
but it is not based on Bible truth. It is not bound by any doctrinal system. This feeling that this false spirit gives you is, in a sense, like a drug for most people. They live on it. They got to have it. They can't live without it. They crave it and they will float across the country going to conference to conference to conference getting this next spiritual high that they can get. This spirit is feelings based and people who operate under this false spirit, they measure everything by how good it makes them feel. And if it does not make them feel good, then obviously they reject it because it's based on positivity. Even if it is something that's theologically erroneous or something that's not true, if it makes them feel good, they will embrace it because these people are so drunk on this false spirit that they will literally die and go to hell if the road is paved with beautiful flowers on the way there. That's who these people are. That's what they do. That's how they think. And that's why we speak out about against this, because this is the most damnable thing in the history of the world. People are going to go to hell by following this Pied Piper of positivity and good feelings. You cannot base truth off of your feelings. You can't do it. The classic verse on this is Jeremiah 17, 9, where the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Friend, I want to tell you, you cannot be led by your emotions. You cannot be led by your emotions. And this is one of the reasons why uh, women get so caught up in this. This is why the devil went after Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, this is why the Bible says women are not permitted to speak in the local church. This is why women are not allowed to preach because feelings-based religion is always a hallmark of the false spirit working in people's lives today. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit does not lead you by feelings. That's not how the economy of the Holy Spirit works. It's based on this. It's based on faith. The Holy Spirit leads by faith. And the Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And even the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by the elders obtained a good report. The Holy Spirit will not lead you by feelings. The Holy Spirit will lead you by faith. Faith and feelings are not the same thing. They're, they're just not. Some people are conflating the two. Ultimately, faith and feelings are not the same thing. And you've got to know that if you're going to discern the difference between these two. The Holy Spirit and the false spirit work in the world today operate by two different things. One operates by feelings. The other operates by faith. Now, let me give you another one real quick about this false spirit. Here's one thing that it does. It does something called channeling, where a spirit will overcome somebody and will speak and say something like, thus saith the Lord, or uh, even in the occult world, they will get into a trance and they will speak as, a, as some spirit has spoken to them. And they will tell you, this is what I saw. They have visions. They channel things that they see. That is a mark of the false spirit. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, to the law and the testimony, they, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Them, meaning that 
there's no light in these people, meaning that they are, they've got a darkness in them. And if they speak not according to the word of God, the Bible says they're filled with darkness, and which is we, we understand now is the false spirit. The Bible also says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse number 19, talking about people that like would speak according to God, according to some vision, and it never would come to pass. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 18, 19, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. God is speaking, and he says, I didn't tell you to say that. You know what that is? People are channeling spirits from another world. They're channeling something right there. And the opposite of that is true. What does the Holy Spirit lead a person to do, lead the person to say? Well, it's pretty simple. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to the Holy Bible. Now, that sounds simple, but that's actually a very heavy thing to say. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to the Word of God. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Here's why. Here's why. Because in verse 3 it says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. 2 Timothy 4.2 is for saved people. People who are operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. They want the Word of God. They want, they want doctrine. They want truth. That's what they want. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But also you go down to verse number three and four. Time will come, they'll not endure sound doctrine. This goes over to this crowd. After their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears, and then they shall turn their ears away from the truth, shall be turned into fables. So you see, they, they don't want truth. They want error. They want positivity. They want something that gives you feelings and worldliness. And they want something that, that just, just tell me something that's not true. That's what these people want. And so you see here that there's two spiritualities at play. One of them is... The author of this spirituality is the Holy Spirit of God. The other author of this spirituality over here is a false spirit working in the world today. Now, in this segment, I want to speak to you about the process of mystery religion. We understand what this is, but how do they operate if they were to come together, maybe in a congregational setting, and the rituals that they would do, what does that look like? Well, after comparing and contrasting all the different religions of the world, we've boiled it down to just these points. Now, it does not matter if you are an occultist or you're a Hindu, Buddhist, New Ager, Druid, Pagan, Sufi, or a Gnostic. They all basically did the same thing and still do the same thing. Matter of fact, you will find, if you look hard enough, that the Knights Templar basically used this same format that we're giving you now. And this is the process by which they achieve their spiritual goals. And I want to give you a seven-point list that will explain all of this to you. So let's break this down for just a moment. The first thing that they would do in a mystery religion setting is they would come together and they would play a mantra. Now, if you'll remember, 
All of the occult is based on frequency and vibrations. And so a mantra is a sound that resonates with certain frequencies and it resonates with certain vibrations. And you're trying to interact with a spirit force. And so this mantra or this sound, this frequency, this vibration creates a response in this energy force. Now, I'm sure that you have probably seen this before, but there are these videos of these Buddhist monks that are sitting with their legs crossed and their hands on their knees, and they're humming a tone that sounds something like, Om, or something of that nature. That is actually called the Om. It is a tone that hits a certain frequency that they believe God exists in that frequency. Sound is like a home, and you can feel the vibration in near. You can put a hand here. Yeah. When you touch, you feel it's like an electric spark. Matter of fact, if we go all the way back to the first Third Atom documentary, there is a purple symbol at the very top, which we have written right here for everybody to see. And that is actually the Hindu symbol for the word Om, which is the God frequency. Now, let me do this. Let me connect a few pieces together for you and make a leap from the Eastern world to the Western world. Mystery religion takes many different forms and has many different names. And that's really one of the main reasons why it is so difficult to spot. But I want you to know this and drive this deep into your soul. Roman Catholicism is a mystery religion. There's no question in my mind. I have proven that over and over again. I prove it from the Bible. I prove it from history. And I prove it by their own teachings. These people are not Christians. Popery is a damnable heresy. And it is a piece of this large mystery religion. Now, I want you to know that in the Eastern world, the Hindu people would ring bells as they would walk into their temples. And really, bell usage is a part of Buddhism and Hinduism. It has been for a very long time. Just like the bowls that we just showed you, that these bells and bowls are designed to ring out a frequency. And that frequency brings positive vibes, wards off negative energy, which is occultism. Let's take that same principle and let's overlay that onto Romanism. Guys, I want to tell you, the reason that there are bells on the top of churches is the identical reason why Hindu temples have bells. Now, I know that many North American churches have these bells on top of them, and really, they don't mean anything by it, but let's go back all the way into history. Let's go back to the reason why these things even exist to begin with on churches. It's not in the Bible. So where did it come from? Well, what it was is that the Eastern mystics and the Western mystics are basically practicing the same religion, and the reason that they put these things on top of churches 
is to ward away bad spirits with the vibration and frequency of that tone. The Hindu bowls that they use are the same as the Catholic bells. Bowls and bells accomplish the same purpose, and that is to create a frequency that eradicates bad energy and brings in good energy. And just like the Om, where they sit there and moan that tone, the same thing, the exact same practice is used with something called Gregorian hymns. And you'll see these men that were in these monasteries, they were practicing mystery religion, they were friars or priests or whatever, they would sing these songs that had a very deep throaty noise to them. And they would get inside these monasteries that had a strong echo and they would make these tones and these vibrations because the ether, the quintessence, the spirit energy that they were working with reacted well to this. That's why Gregorian hymns exist. Catholicism and Hinduism and occultism are ultimately the same thing practiced in different cultures with different groups of people in different languages, but ultimately they're practicing the same thing. The bells of Catholicism are the bowls of Hinduism, and the chants and the Gregorian hymns of Romanism are the alms of Hinduism. Why is this so similar? It's because they're the same religion. They are the same religion, maybe practiced in different culture with different language, and maybe in different eras of time. But ultimately, it is a mystery religion based on frequency, vibration, and the bells and the bowls and the ohms and the Gregorian hymns are designed to do the same thing. Excite this spirit energy and raise the vibration of the person who's practicing these rituals. Roman Catholicism is a mystery cult. No question. One of the things that we do is when people come to us and they want for me to be able to pray with them at some point, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll just a series of prayers, but then we also have them play chant in the, at a very low level where they can just barely hear it, but we have them play it in their house all the time. And so what we've found is a lot of times that will drive the demons out, very similar to what one demon said about bells, that bells actually drive the demons out. That sound, actually the sound itself is revulsive to them and it actually drives them out of the air, drives them out of the, the location. We've found that that playing chant in a low level in the background, not only does it have a calming effect on people because it's uh, because of the orderliness of it as a form of music but it also then has that effect of driving the demons out and so a lot of times we've cleaned up houses or clean people themselves once they do these prayers and do that a lot of times just get cleaned up and we don't have to see them another example of this if you go watch new age videos on youtube you will see that they're using an ambient music that has no meter i think the best way to describe it is just kind of floaty and what that's called is free time music it has no tempo it has no rhythm it has no meter And the reason they're using that is because it is a mantra. 
it creates a tone and a frequency so that they can go through the process of their mystery religion. And if you go look at Sufi mysticism, their actual services, they are using mantras as well. Same thing with the occult. But if you'll go check and listen to the churches that have new apostolic reformation doctrine, all of these songs begin with a mantra. It all starts with a a tone, a frequency. And the reason that they do that is because they are trying to excite an energy force. The same energy force that the occultists work with, the same energy force that the Knights Templar work with. They're trying to excite the same spirit force that the Hindus worship because they are practicing the same mystery religion. And so that's number one. But let me show you number two. Not only do they begin with the mantra, the om, but they also achieve a hypnotic state. You will see that these people, when they are listening to that music, they actually trance out. A hypnotic state is defined as being detached completely from any outward environment and completely absorbed by an inner experience. What happens is... The mantra begins, and that excites this power within them so powerfully that they become completely detached from the outside world altogether. And in some cases, you'll see them sitting on the street corner, having an experience, and people can walk right by them, and they won't disturb them. They won't even know you're there because something so powerful is happening inside of them that they're completely detached from the outside world.
Now, when the Holy Spirit works in people's lives, it makes you sober. It does not cause you to trance out. The working of the Holy Spirit does no such thing like that, not biblically. And the next thing I want you to see is that they achieve this hypnotic state, and in some cases, drug usage is involved. And so what I want to do, I just want to put like an asterisk here uh, just to let you know that that is not always the case with every religion. But I want you to understand that in history, it was very common for practitioners of mystery religion to use a potion or a drink or a brew that would have been created by the yogis, the sages, and the shaman. And oftentimes, this brew or this potion would have assist the practitioners in this religion and their desire to create a spiritual experience for themselves. And this potion was called many names like the nectar of the gods. And in India, it was actually called the Soma. But if you go over to like a Persian culture, it was actually called Homa with an H. And the contents of this potion would vary wildly, but it was usually something along the lines that contained like poppy, it would contain cannabis, ephedra, and sometimes it included saffron, which is an aphrodisiac that is raised and grown in the Middle East. There's also evidence that indicates that psilocybin from mushrooms was used in this potion as well. Throughout history, people have practiced mystery religion, and the thing about them that I've always found to be odd was that these people never say that the Bible is not true. They practice mysticism or magic or whatever, and then they look at the miracles of the Bible, and they say, well, yeah, we believe that that happened, sure. But the difference is they give the credit to not the Lord. They give the credit to, like, an experience. We did a ritual, and because we did this ritual, this person was able to do this. Oftentimes they will give credit for like dreams and visions to this mystery religion process that we're speaking about. They'll say like Ezekiel saw his vision because he was doing mushrooms. Moses saw the burning bush in the wilderness because he was on the same drugs that we're on and we saw the same thing. And that's always interesting to note. And really, if you go back into this mysticism and like these paintings that are done, a lot of people, a lot of mystics throughout history have given credit for these miracles to mushroom trips. I wish I was joking, but this is actual fact. This is what they believe. Now, in my research of this, there was a kind of a, a road that this went down that really surprised me, and it was in the video game industry. Now, all of us know who Super Mario is, and I just, I remember many times as a kid thinking in the back of my mind, what does the mushroom mean in this video game? Well, in this context, it means exactly what you think it does. It has to do with drug use. Of course, the Super Mario franchise came out in the 80s, and the man who created it was named Shigeru Miyamoto. And somewhere around 2005, he gave an interview with Business Week, and he gave this quote, Mario ended up being too big, so he shrank him. Then we thought, what if he can grow and shrink? How would he do that? It would have to be a magic mushroom. Where would a mushroom grow? In a forest? We thought of giving Mario a girlfriend, and then we started talking about Alice in Wonderland. So that's where the idea of the princess came from. This was born out of, like, mysticism and drug culture. And so when he gave that quote, it kind of sent the world kind of a buzz. And in 2009, he gave another interview in which he gave this quote. Some time ago, I was being interviewed and I spoke about Alice in Wonderland. But it seems that there was some misunderstanding and it's since been stated that I was influenced by Alice in Wonderland. That isn't the case. It's just that there has always somehow been a relationship between mushrooms and magical realms. That's why I decided that Mario would need a mushroom to become Super Mario. And so you see in the mystery religion, the goal is to become a higher and greater version of yourself. 
ultimately the end of that road being that you become your own god. Well, the process of mystery religion, including drug usage, causes you to become a greater, higher version of yourself, which is exactly what they're doing in the Super Mario games. You take the mushroom, you become a bigger, stronger version of yourself. And I find it also interesting that the very first enemies in the game are called Goombas, which ultimately are mushrooms themselves as well. And it's funny, the Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness. That means everything has been affected by this, even your beloved video games. They literally put magic mushrooms in this game, and nobody caught it. And of course, the modern day equivalent of this would be LSD or ayahuasca. Now, you see all these movie stars that are going to Costa Rica, and they're taking ayahuasca tea, and, and they're seeing things. They're having out-of-body experiences. That is a modern version of mystery religion. You see guys like Joe Rogan doing this, LeBron James. You see Megan Fox. Many of your movie stars are a part of this. Why? Because they are practicing mystery religion, and this is how this works. You begin with a mantra, you achieve a hypnotic state, and in some cases, not, not in every instance, but in some cases, drug usage is involved. I believe in the book of Revelation when it refers to people that would not stop their sorceries, that it is referring to something along these lines. The mystery religion, in many cases, requires the usage of a substance to achieve the spiritual high that they so desire. And so once the mantra and the hypnotic state is achieved, sometimes through drug usage, what happens next is fascinating. What happens next is that the body experiences an energy release. And I would say that these three things together right here probably all happen at the same time. The body experiences an energy release. Gnosis is what's experienced. And Gnosis, of course, is heaven coming down and being caught between, as the song so aptly puts it. You step into the spirit realm at that point. You cannot tell what's physical and what's spiritual. You have crossed the line. You have gone into the third realm. And then also, because of these things, a higher consciousness is obtained. These three things together will result in these three things here. Now, this is the goal of mystery religion, for you to have a spiritual experience and without the mantra and without the hypnotic state, and in some cases without the drug usage, you cannot accomplish this goal. And you see, the difference between mystery religion and Bible-believing Christianity is that mystery religion is based on experience, but Bible-believing Christianity is based on truth. And faith doesn't require an experience. Now, I want you to look at this last point with me for a moment, and I want you to really get this because this is so very important. When a person has achieved the gnosis, when a person has done these rituals and gone through this, if you were to look at them from the outside in and say, that person is having a spiritual mystery religion experience, what would that look like? Well, I want to show you a couple things here. All of this experience here results in a couple things 
it can result in creas. Now, creas, of course, are where the body shakes uncontrollably. You will see people that are practicing Buddhism that their spine will start to kind of go in a wave-like motion and their body will start just absolutely just shaking or convulsing. That is what happens when these people cross that threshold and achieve the gnosis through this process. Another thing that happens is that they will experience dancing their body will begin to move, expresses itself in a dancing-like motion. The next thing I want you to see is that this always results in a euphoric emotional experience. These people will be crying. They will be exceedingly happy. Whatever it is, it does not cause you to be calm. It causes some sort of emotional upheaval. And this is why people are so addicted to it, because it makes you feel something amazing that you cannot feel without this religion. It sends you to heights unknown that you never thought were possible. Heights of happiness, heights of joy, heights of even physical pleasure in some senses. This is what it does. It takes you somewhere that you could not go on your own. And so the euphoric emotion is a very strong part of this. The next thing I want you to see is that it results in mudras. Now, if you will look at Hindu illustrations, you will see that people will be doing things with their hands, uh, little hand motions and such, that uh, they'll be doing things like this or things like that. And, and there's a number of different mudras. Well, what is, what is a mudra? What are they doing? Well, let me give it to you this way. If you were to watch like an anime, like Naruto, or maybe like a Lord of the Rings type thing, where you see people that are wizards and sorcerers, and they're moving their hands in such a way that they're casting powers or even dragon ball z you'll see somebody who is using their hands to throw a fireball to somebody that in a sense is a mudra remember this is a spirit that you can invoke and you can control it you can make it do whatever you want it to do and so by moving your hands a certain way and by doing these these movements you can actually push this spirit energy into something one example of that is martial arts. You see these people that are doing these things with their hands where they're waving their arms in such a way. Well, that's not necessarily, I mean, they're not in engaged in a fight at the time, so they're not blocking and defending, but they're moving their arms and moving their hands in a certain way. What are they doing? They are harnessing the chi or the key energy. And by the way, remember, this has multiple different names, but it's ultimately the same thing. They're harnessing the key energy, and then they're, when they punch or they, or they hit you with the palm of their hand or they kick you, they're putting all that energy into their hand or into their palm, and, and they're hitting you with that energy force because this is a part of mystery religion. And meditation, if you understand that, is a requirement to achieve the hypnotic state so that you can learn how to practice this mystery religion and harness this energy. Another thing that I want you to see is not only does it have mudras, but tongues is actually very common in these circles. We understand the tongues in modern-day charismatic world is not the tongues of the Bible. The tongues of the Bible was a sign gift. It was basically a man would get up and speak in Aramaic, and there would be a guy there in the crowd who would speak a Germanic language, and he miraculously would understand it in his own language. But you never see in the Bible where people are just speaking gibberish, and they're under control of the Holy Spirit. But you do see this in the New Age, that people are under the control of of this real energy, this chi, this ether, this prana, and they speak in complete, out-of-control gibberish.
tras otkroja narejat. U totunši arata korati, Anani. Kastana na, ina kastana na. Nada je kjala, šela trija kjala aša. Se nad kret kret konare, korar konare, koro tora, te arara tara njara tu. Dajala je kjala, e te jasa je klaja. To je on mod kraja, treo šutonomaja, najotur. Ira otra je kješera, ta je kjala. Nimi, jaste, nano, kuso, nono, osa, kaj? Now, I want to also challenge your thinking as well. The New Age people, when they have their meditations and they're playing their mantras, lots of times they will begin to do something called light language. And light language is almost identical to what the charismatics do when they are, quote, talking in tongues. We receive words that are not our own. it is complete gibberish. They call it light codes, or and, and basically all they're doing is just just going haba la ba la ba la ba la. It's it's nothing. It is confusion is what it is, but it is a fruit of going through the process of mystery religion. Now, the last thing I want you to see here, not only do they have tongues, but they have visions. They begin to see things that they have never seen before. Now, in the third out of movies, we have oftentimes referred to the Marvel comic series of movies where people will be practicing mystery religion. And by the way, all the X-Men, all that stuff, basically is a form of mystery religion just being put in a, you know, like a really cool package to attract young people. Basically what it is is occultism with kind of a cool slant to it. But I want you to notice that you have people like Doctor Strange and Black Panther and others that they're having these visions, they're seeing into the future, or they're getting words of wisdom from outside sources. This happens oftentimes in these religions, but in churches today, you have people that are astral projecting, people that are going to the courts of heaven. You have people like Paula White claiming that she went to heaven and, and, and spoke to the Lord directly. All of this is a result of mystery religion. And by the way, I want you to notice this. Can I, can I, can I point something out to you on this chart? All of these things here, the, the kriyas, the mudras, the tongues, the, the visions, the euphoria, the dancing... I want you to put all these in a, in a church context and see all those things happening. But I want you to understand the foundation of all of these experiences. I'm going to draw a line right here. Is the mantra.
When I warn you about music in churches, I am not arguing style. I am arguing religion. You have to understand, Brother Spencer is not just some fuddy-duddy legalist who's out there trying to make sure that you're not listening to John Cooper music just because I'm a legalist or a pharisaical person. I'm warning you against a mystery religion. And all of this stuff that is happening in churches is happening because these people are going through this process of a mystery religion. And it all starts with an ohm. I, I could put it to you this way. It all starts with that right there. The third Adam series is designed to warn you against a false spirit that is working in the lives of people. And if I, I, I'm telling you, I have poured my heart and soul into this. I have warned you over and over about this. I have told you that this is not good. I have told you that this is from hell. I have told you that this is something that is demonic and satanic and it will ruin your family. It will ruin your soul. It will take you away from God. I have warned you about this over and over again. I have told you everything that I know. I have poured everything that I have into this and I want you to know that this is from hell. This is the most wicked thing imaginable. This is mystery religion. It's wickedness. And it's all based on that. A mantra. An om. And all the things you see down here. All the things that you see down there. All of that is based on the fact that you people are communing and fellowshipping with Satan. You're communing and fellowshipping with a doctrine of devils that is brought to you by a seducing spirit. I've warned you. I told you not to go this way. And it's time that you heed the warning. So somebody sent me the Joel Osteen Inspiration Cube a couple years ago, and I've you know made a joke of this thing for a long time. But here on the right side, there's something called the daily affirmation that you can have. And basically, it's just some really sweet thing that Joel Osteen says. It's like, I, de I declare a blessing over you or whatever. And I want to um, show you something here. I want you to hear that at the beginning of all these affirmations, there's a tone. There's a there's a, a note, and it, basically that's the mantra, and all of this is based off that new age feely floaty music, because you cannot give these people a mystery religion experience unless you have that tone, and I, it's even in the Joel Osteen Inspiration Cube. I'm gonna play it for you, see if you can hear it, and uh, give me just a moment. Let me set the speaker right up to the microphone here, and let's see if we can hear this together. I declare that God is. I declare. That I declare, I declare, I declare, I do you hear that, that, that mm, uh, on all this, that's the ohm, everything like all mystery religion, everything that's built on mystery religion is built on the foundation of the ohm and you cannot have it without the music.
That's why this music is so bad. That's why we preach against it, because it's mystic. It's new age. And this right here, this little cube of Satan is a new age tool. And the reason that it has the omen is because Joel Osteen basically practices the occult. He practices new age. And the ohm is written even to his own cube. This thing's ridiculous, but it's even in this. A couple years ago, I read a book that really troubled me, and it was called The Physics of Heaven. Apparently, this book is listed as Christian, but this book is one of the most esoteric and occultic things I think I've ever read in my life. Now, the introduction of this book is written by a woman named Judy Franklin, and she says that the purpose of this book is to basically initiate you into the occult. Judy Franklin says this, as I said, this book is a conglomeration of different insights and information gleaned by Ellen, me, and the other contributors. Its sole purpose is to share what we have discovered so you can go on your own journey of discovery with God into, notice this, the realms of sound, light, energy, vibration, and quantum physics. Why? because I believe what the Lord has been showing both of us is the absolute truth that will help us bring God's kingdom to this earth. The Lord is ready to use sound, light, and energy in ways we never dreamed, but we first need to have some foundational understandings. Do you see all the mentions of energy, light, and vibration? Another word for all this is hermeticism. This is magic. This is occultism. This woman is literally teaching that Jesus was a sorcerer and that he was basically like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. And he had all the powers of witchcraft and sorcery. He'd mastered all of it. And you can master it too. And all that power is available to you. And you can go do the same miracles that he did. Because, you know, all that power is available to us. This is the occult. This is witchcraft. She starts off the first chapter kind of talking about how she was a New Ager and then she became a Christian. And she says this, At that time I could not find a single Christian leader who shared a similar interest in finding out if there were truths hidden in the New Age. And so basically what she was saying was, I was a Christian, but I did believe that there was some truth that we could use as Christians in the New Age, which flies totally in the face in the sufficiency of the Scripture. This woman is out looking for hidden secret knowledge in the New Age religion that we as Christians could take into the church, which is exactly what I've been warning you against for years. She even later says in the book, it wasn't that I wanted to become a New Ager. I just wanted to find out if maybe they had uncovered some truths that the church hadn't. The strange thing was much of what I saw and heard embodied biblical principles and could be backed up by scripture. Guys, if that doesn't bother you, then something's dreadfully wrong because this is terrible. This is not what you do as a Christian. You don't go seeking into esotericism to find spiritual truth that is not in the Bible that you can use as a Christian. That is probably the worst thing you could do. And so after a long spiritual journey where she started searching for truth in the new age, this is the conclusion that Judy Franklin came to. She said that there was a spirit energy out there that we all had in us and that we could use it for God's glory. And she called this spirit energy the zero point field. The book says this, we have the zero point field within us. 
individually, each of us may not have a square yard of zero-point field energy in us, but two or three of us together do. And the Bible says that whatsoever two or three agree on will be done. So we truly have the power within us and around us to move many, many mountains. Jesus calmed the storm. We should be able to do that too. Jesus healed the sick, cast out demons, raised the dead. We have that same power within us. And we also have power all around us, undergirding our universe. What this woman is teaching is that there's occult energy everywhere. And she's saying that Jesus had this energy too. This is atrocious. This is just blatant occultism. There's no, there's no way to say it. This woman, this Judy Franklin, is an occultist. And she says that Jesus had that occult power as well. And it's interesting to note that Chris Vallotton of Bethel Church actually did the foreword for this book. And in that foreword, he said this, If you're tired of being a settler, existing on the shores of tradition and riskless living, this book is for you. But beware. Once you get a taste of these authors' insights into light, sound, vibration, and quantum physics, and you discover how God has written his personal story into creation, you are destined to see the Almighty all around you. Like listening to surround sound while watching a great movie, this book will awaken nature's voice in you, curing deafness that was predicated long ago by single-dimensional thinking. Guys, light, sound, vibration, and quantum physics are all buzzwords that prove that these people are occultists. These people are not Christians who just view the Holy Spirit a little bit differently than us. These people are practicing witchcraft. They're practicing occultism. This is alarming. And these people practice mystery religion. Now, mystery religion can take many different forms and have many different shapes. One of the shapes that is very popular today is something called the Law of Attraction. So I want to show you the very first law of attraction. And it says right here on the website, the law of attraction in its most simple form is like attracts like. This means that things, objects, or people with similar energy attract each other. This happens every moment of every day, whether you are aware of it or not. This energy shifting occurs when you attract similar experiences, people, or things to you. Notice this right here. Positive thought and emotion will attract positive things or experiences 
The reverse is also true. Negative thoughts and emotions will attract negative things or experiences in your life. We draw in what we constantly think about. You can't think defeat and have victory. You can't think weakness and have strength. Your life is going to follow your thoughts. Instead of thinking these weak thoughts, you need to think power thoughts. Victory starts in our mind. You'll be amazed at what will happen if you'll start thinking power thoughts. Guys, that is that is occultism. That is aligning yourself with spirit energy. And if you do so, then prosperity and things like that will happen. And even, I mean, even right here, it, it, you click energy shifting. It talks about vibrational shift and energy shifting symptoms. And, and all of that is occultism. This, this is like Aleister Crowley stuff that's being taught. I'm breathing energy, vitality, freshness into your body. And if you go to their Facebook page, you see things like there, an explosion of success is just around the corner. You just have to believe it to receive it. I've heard prosperity preachers say the exact same thing. Don't get discouraged because it hasn't happened yet. Your right time is coming. You have to believe that you have it all in order to have it all. Believe that you have received it and you will have it. Know that the universe has your back. You just have to stay positive and trust in the timing. Now, I want you to notice the phrase, the universe there. If you just scratch that out and put the Lord, then you have everything Joel Osteen preaches. Now, I want to read this phrase from their own website. Positive thought and emotion will attract positive things or experiences. The reverse is also true. Negative thoughts and emotions will attract negative things or experiences into your life. Now, with that being said, I want to play a clip from a Joel Osteen sermon, and you will see that Joel Osteen is preaching the law of attraction. Words are like seeds. When you speak something out, you give life to what you're saying. If you continue to say it, eventually that can become a reality. Whether you realize it or not, you are prophesying your future. And this is great when we're saying things like, I'm blessed, I'm strong, I will accomplish my dreams. Your life will move in the direction of your words. But too many people go around prophesying just the opposite. They don't realize they are prophesying defeat. It's just like they're calling in bad breaks, mediocrity, lack. You are planting seeds when you talk. At some point, you're going to eat that fruit. Although he's using Christian terminology, he essentially is preaching the law of attraction. Joel Osteen teaches and preaches occultism in Jesus' name. something about this series that brings a great sobriety to my soul. I fear that there are people getting in buildings all across this country, really all across the world, every week, and they're calling themselves a church, and they're calling themselves Christians, and they're going through rituals and religious activities, and they're not even saved. Much of my ministry has been dealing with people in the Eastern world, and I've come to understand that not everybody who calls themselves a Christian is truly a Bible-believing, born-again person. And that haunts me, that scares me, that's really what drives this entire documentary, trying to expose the difference between the two. Did you know that there are people who get into Hindu temples every week and they go through religious activity. And they summon a spirit energy. 
that spirit energy gives them such a euphoria, such a bliss, such a wonderful experience. <laughs> If you didn't have any context behind it, you would think that it was a charismatic or contemporary church service. But they're not Christians. These people are Hindus. And if you take an objective look, a third party look, if you will, and overlay that type of stuff onto the average contemporary service today, you'll find that they behave almost identically. On another one's head, fire! No, no, it's just... ever seen in your life study that I've done on this topic, I have come to the conclusion that I did not want to come to, but I think I have to. There are people out there who are getting in churches, and they are summoning spirit energy through musical rituals. And it is working in these people's lives, giving them a blissful, euphoric experience. And they're not even saved. I want you to know that Bible-believing Christianity is always defined by the Bible. And so if you see people doing something that is not in the Bible, then you absolutely have to dismiss it as a Christian. You have to. You have no other choice. You have to dismiss it. But here's where it gets a little bit dicey. And this is where you have to know the Bible. There are people out there who are throwing out these terms that really are not biblical. And there's two terms that I want you to know that when you hear these things, you should run for your life because these people who are using these terms are not talking about anything biblical. Let me give you two of these words, and I promise you the people who use them are not Christians. These two words are shift and destiny. And I want you to know that neither one of these words is in the Bible. So when they say these things, what are they even talking about? When people talk about a shift in the atmosphere, usually what that means is like there's a, a movement of a spirit energy. Somebody is about to shift. The God is about to shift some things in your life. And the Lord told me to tell you to get ready for the shift. 
Watch it right now. He's in the middle of a shift. Everything in your life is about to shift. And when they say that, they're, they're talking about a shift in the atmosphere as if the Holy Spirit is working. But you, you don't find a biblical example of that. And then the other one here is the word destiny. God's going to help you find your destiny. And that is an Eastern mystical term that does not have anything to do with the Bible. Let me give you this key, and I want you to maybe screenshot this or whatever, but when these people say these terms, I'm going to tell you what they mean from a mystical, esoteric standpoint, and I want you to understand these things. When people talk about the shift and destiny, this, this is what they're talking about. When they speak about a shift in the atmosphere, they're speaking about gnosis. When they speak about destiny, they're speaking about your higher and greater self. That's what they mean when they say these things. And I'm telling you, man, listen to me. This is not biblical, and these are not biblical concepts. These people are using spiritual words that are not biblical words to explain spiritual concepts that are not based in Bible truth. These people are literally practicing doctrines of devils and they stand in churches every week and they summon this energy force and this shift of this gnosis energy helps you to find your destiny which means that they're literally this spirit force is helping you become your higher and greater self that is not bible christianity at all that is mystery religion now, one of the earliest battles that the New Testament church had to fight was with a group of people that called themselves Gnostics. And the system of Gnosticism believed that you had a divine inner spark inside of you. And so you didn't need to repent of sin and receive the Holy Spirit. You had a spirit in you already. Now it's the idea of we need to go through religious exercises and Gnosis experience after Gnosis experience to sort of build this fire inside of you and awaken this divine spark. And that religion, although it hasn't been called Gnosticism, it has been preached a lot through the centuries. And there's people all over the world who have taught this to one degree or another. And so it's not some unique thing. It really is something that's been continuous all through history. That is Gnosticism. And that is a Gnostic gospel, and it is ultimately occultism. It's mystery religion. But there are people who are calling themselves Christians today, wolves in sheep clothing, if you will, who are preaching this exact same Gnostic, awaken this divine spark within you gospel. And one of them is Bethel Church in Redding, California. Now, there is a school online that is run by Chris Vallotton of Bethel Church, and it's called the Spiritual Intelligence Institute. And on their website, there are three people, of course. There's Chris Vallotton, there's Dan McCollum, and there's this woman, Lindsay Raymond. And we will go back to her in just a moment. But I want you to see what is on their front page of their own website. I mean, look at what it says. And keep in mind how we have defined Gnosticism to you. It says right here, unlock the divine brilliance inside of you. If you believe the biblical gospel, you cannot accept that statement. That is a Gnostic mystery religion divine spark in you statement. The website goes on to say this, Yet, as Christ followers, we have access to the fount of all wisdom. Do you remember the fountain of youth? Do y'all remember that term right there? The fount of all wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the capacity for brilliance that is beyond human reason and transcends the logic 
of the leading intellectuals. Do you notice these? The, the fount of wisdom transcends. These are new age buzz terms that these people are using on their own website. Through online and virtual live courses, unearth the potential of the God-given wisdom that exists inside of you. This is Gnosticism. That's exactly what this is. Now, one of the people who runs the Spiritual Intelligence Institute is named Lindsay Raymond. And Lindsay Raymond is actually listed on Bethel Church's website. And notice the description that the website gives about her. Lindsay Raymond is the founder of the spiritual intelligence company Aqua Regia. Even goes on here and says she loves to examine the scripture, the spirit realm, and all that God says through the lens of a microscope. And notice this next phrase. And enjoys helping other people unlock their gifts to help them become spiritual X-Men. That, my friend, is occultism. That, my friend, is Gnosticism. So you notice that there are people out there like these folks that just showed you who are making a ministry out of helping you unlock this divine brilliance inside of you, unlock this power inside of you, help you rise up and become an, a spiritual X-man, if you will. This is the occult in Jesus' name. These are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's who these people are. My job here is to help you see it. These people are not Christians. These people are occultists, and they're trying to help you unlock a spirit energy inside of you. It's, it's almost unspeakable. It's horrible. Wow. Now, going forward, everybody has to understand that there are two Gospels in the world. There's the Biblical Gospel, and then there is what we were going to call a Gnostic Gospel. Allow me to write these on the board for you. And as we go through this chart, you will see amazing similarities to the modern gospel being preached with this Gnostic gospel. Because many people today are preaching a message that sounds Christian, but ultimately is simply is not biblical. Let's get into this thought for just a moment. The first thing about the biblical gospel is God hath spoken. His word is settled in heaven. His gospel is settled. This is a sure thing. God has spoken, and that's it. The Bible says in Galatians 3.22, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. You see, the very premise of the biblical gospel 
is the finality and the authority of God's holy scriptures. But the Gnostic gospel is based on this. Yea, hath God said, which is right, a direct quote from Genesis 3.1 with Satan in the Garden of Eden. You see, the biblical gospel is based on the fact that God has spoken and has declared all under sin. And it is a fixed, settled thing. But the Gnostic gospel is based on questioning the authority of the Word of God. Part of the problem in Christianity is that when we grew up, we were taught the Bible. And that in and of itself is not a problem, but in some ways, the way we were taught the Bible is problematic. Because if you grew up in a home like I did, or a culture like I did, or a Christian tradition like I did, I heard that this was the Word of God, and I've always believed that. I've heard that it was infallible, and I've always believed that. I heard that it was inerrant. There were no mistakes, that the whole thing is inspired. And as a child, you say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and, you know, Adam and Eve, and Jesus, and Noah, and Moses, and... Jesus coming back, it's all equal. It's all in equal terms. But unfortunately, because the Bible was presented to us as a book, which it is not, because it was all presented as, as one holistic thing, which it is not, because we never even understood where this came from, it was a house of cards. So all someone had to do was come along and pull away a couple of the pieces, a couple of the foundational pieces, and suddenly the whole thing comes tumbling down. And even though, you know, it was something to appreciate, it wasn't necessarily something that was factual. And even though there were stories in here that were inspirational, they weren't necessarily true. The Bible says, in quotes, the Bible says is not an adequate starting point or returning point for many adults. These people are going back to a fixed point. But the people who practice a Gnostic gospel, they're always dependent on something new and something fresh and something that has never been revealed before. We surrender to the rhythms of grace. And we ask you for a fresh revelation of Jesus. Hey everyone, I have a quick word to release today. You're downloading fresh revelation. So what the Holy Spirit wants to say today, wants you to know today, is that you are really in a position where you're downloading fresh revelation from Him. Jesus says that once you kind of step into that um, realm where you are, your heart posture is right and you're in alignment and you're just seeking righteousness. And because you've kind of reached this level in relationship with him, he's downloading fresh revelation to you. He's revealing um, secrets of God to you. You've really uh, gotten to the point where you know your father's voice. And not only do you hear his voice, but because of your obedience and your heart posture and your alignment, um, he's trusting you with more and more secrets of, of mysteries of the father. And you're feeling this fresh wind, a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit. And um, it's really quite exciting, to be honest, because, you know, it's, it's a level of spiritual closeness that you've never felt before uh, with the father. I've always seen God move profoundly in my year when I dedicated time to fasting. There is something, and notice, this, notice these words, there's something transcendent about a mind, spirit, and body reset. There you go. There's another word right there that allows stillness to walk with us. I'm awaiting, notice the phrase here, the secrets to be revealed. Uh, there's nothing like mysteries unfolding before your eyes. The power of prayer and attention on 
intentionality of faith are a force to be reckoned with, a divine force to be reckoned with. All of these buzzwords in here, transcendent, uh, there's a reset that happens in me. There's a stillness in me. There's secrets that are being revealed and the mysteries are unfolding. That is not Bible talk. That is esoteric, mysterious talk. And, and even what I said when I was doing Third Adam, I was telling you guys that the Eastern mystical religions are rebranding themselves and coming over to the Western Hemisphere and calling itself Christianity or progressive Christianity and, and New Age Christianity. And there was a lot of these high priestesses rising up in this newfound religion, and they were calling themselves singers and divas. And Bethel was one of these people that was practicing all this stuff. Uh, we talked about Lauren Daigle was one of the people practicing all this. And 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 this is this is the great thesis of our documentary, Third Adam, is that all of these mystical religions are going to rebrand themselves and they're going to all come together and they're going to, you know, create a one world religion. Instead of looking at what God hath already said, they're looking for God to still be speaking. And it's a continuous thing. And it really, it becomes a very inconsistent thing because it seems like the, the people who worship the Gnostic Gospels, like God's always changing his mind. That's the big difference. The next major difference in these Gospels is this. The Biblical Gospel says that mankind is bound in sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse number 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And so it goes on and on really in that chapter, but it teaches that mankind is bound in his sin and Christ can free him from that binding. But the Gnostic gospel teaches something different. And instead of being bound in sin, they teach that you are, that you are bound in a system. Now, this manifests itself in many different ways. In 3rd Adam 3, we spoke about the patriarchy and the people who practice a Gnostic gospel actually jump into feminism. And another way this manifests itself is things like CRT, critical race theory, uh, social justice, uh, and things like that. The people who preach a Gnostic gospel believe that we are bound in a system and that Christ came to set us free from a system instead of being set free from sin. The Bible says in Psalm 2 verse 1, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. This is the cry of the Gnostic gospel. We are bound in cords and bands, and we must break free from this system. The next point of the biblical gospel is that, is that you have great inner sin. The wickedness of man is all that's inside of him. I mean, the Bible even says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's in the book of Jeremiah. But even the apostle Paul, the great theologian of the New Testament, said in Romans chapter number 7 and verse number 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And so even he admits that if you open up my heart and look at me, 
I've got great inner sin inside of me. There is no good that dwelleth in me. But the Gnostic gospel teaches the exact opposite of this. It teaches instead of great inner sin, you have a great inner spark. Instead of saying like the biblical gospel teaches that you have a great inner sin, the Gnostic gospel teaches that deep down inside of you at your very core, there's a spark there, a divine spark, which has been said many times throughout history by many misguided souls. goddess of light and I can heal anyone with my voice. That's beautiful. The secret is for us to build this inside ourselves like a muscle so it's there all the time. It's a standard, it's a heart, it's a way of being. It's a force inside of you you pull from. It's a force inside of you you pull from. It's a force inside of you you pull from. There are genes locked up in your genetic code right now, not from your physical relatives, but from your heavenly father. God has already pre-programmed in your DNA gifts, talents, favor, opportunity. Those genes are lying there dormant. You might not even know that they're in you. There are seeds of greatness locked up in your DNA. What God has locked up in your DNA is about to kick in and thrust you to a new level. And thrust you to a new level. It's always been in you. It's always been in you. It's always been in you. There is medicine in your leaves. There is healing in you. The gift has always been in you.
It just took the right rain to bring the seed out of the soil for what God put in you. There's kings in you. There's crowns in you. There's legacy in you. There's dreams in you. There's ministry in you. And they teach, literally teach that inside of you is something good. And that good spark, we just need to fan those flames a little bit and just kind of get that going and try to build this fire inside of you and to let that burn a little bit. That's not the biblical gospel at all. That is actually a Gnostic gospel that's straight out of the occult. The next point about the biblical gospel is it teaches that you need a new birth. The classic verse is in John chapter 3, verse 7, when Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The Bible says even in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so what does the Gnostic gospel teach about this concept here? Well, it's pretty simple. They don't teach that you need a new birth. They teach that you need a new awakening to a higher and better self. Connect with your higher self. Be as your higher self. You can see it as the goddess energy, the divine feminine, or the divine masculine. Your higher self is who you really are. It is the source, the, the part of you that is connected to source, that is connected to God, that is closer to God. It is us at our most high vibrational, aligned, and simplest form. It is our true self. But it is, you know, the part of you that is close, the most closely connected with the universe and with source. It is not us here in the 3D and the physical. It has nothing to do with the way you look or your thoughts or your feelings. The higher self is you in connection to the universe. You as part of the fabric of the universe. You as a creator. This is the Gnostic gospel. Now, I'm going to show you this. Most churches today are preaching this Gnostic awakening. I would like to share with you in the subject of awakening the vision from within you. Awakening the vision from within you. And that's actually a word they're using quite often. And it is alarming. And quite frankly, uh, that's not what the Bible uses to describe the new birth. When they are talking about awakenings and we need an awakening and we need uh, to fan the flames of the inner spark and you need to break free from a system and you're always looking for fresh revelation all the time, that's a Gnostic gospel. That's, that's exactly what they teach. So let me just erase all this and just make it point blank, one point, very simple. Here you go. You ready? 
Here's what it all boils down to. There's two Gospels. Ready? The biblical Gospel teaches that you are bad. The Gnostic Gospel teaches that you are good. Anybody who's telling you how good you are is not preaching the Bible. They're mystics, they're Gnostics, and they're ministers of hell. not only breathed life into you, he put a part of himself in you. You have the DNA of Almighty God. He didn't create you to be average, to be mediocre, to endure, to get by. He created you to excel, to prosper, to set a new standard for your family, to leave your mark on this generation. Now, let me reframe it to you this way. Instead of using the word Gnostic, let me use this word. Here you go. You ready for the word? The occultic gospel. And what does the Bible gospel teach? Let's just compare it. There is nothing good in you, and you must be born again. Well, what does the occult gospel teach? What, I mean, we could even take the word gospel off of that if you want to. What does the occult teach? I'll sum it all up for you. You ready? There is a higher and greater self within you, and it must be awakened. Join us as we follow along inner awakening participants as they experience their journey of transformation. This is exactly what Satan promised Eve at the Garden of Eden. The Bible says, Genesis 3:1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Now notice verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When he says there that your eyes shall be opened, basically what he's saying here is that you need to have an awakening you need to be woken up to this. Your, your eyes are closed and you need to wake up. That is Satan's gospel.
That is the occult. So allow me to explain to you Gnosticism one more time. You have the Abraxas, which is the equivalent of God the Father, and then you have Sophia, which is an aeon created by the Abraxas. Well, Sophia accidentally created the Demiurge through a cosmic accident, and the details on that are kind of fuzzy. But basically the idea is that the Demiurge created Earth and locked Adam and Eve inside of it, and they were locked into a prison. The Abraxas at the Garden of Eden sent Lucifer down to break them free through enlightenment. That's what they needed. They didn't need salvation. They needed enlightenment. And so when you read in the Bible, your eyes should be open. Well, basically what Lucifer did, according to the Gnostics, was he went down there and he and he opened their eyes to the truth that they were locked in this cage with this demiurge. Well, that was enough to get them out of the Garden of Eden, but that was certainly not enough to get them out of creation and escape creation, transcend to go be with the Abraxas in the Pleroma which is the Gnostic heaven. So that wasn't enough. So basically the Braxus sent Christ down, not as a savior, but as a spiritual teacher to teach them that there was a divine spark inside of you and it just needed to be awakened. And then once you awaken uh, and develop yourself spiritually enough, then you can actually transcend creation and break free from the demiurge and you can transcend and go up to with Sophia and go up into the heaven. And matter of fact, uh, in Third Adam three, we told you that the Sophia was actually the Holy Spirit of Gnosticism, and uh, that Christ was actually not a savior, but he was just a spiritual teacher. And that's really what Gnosticism is. But the modern church is actually practicing the very same thing. Let me show you this. The only real fundamental difference here is that, of course, the modern church is not going to give Lucifer any, any props, of course. But they're going to alter the story just a little bit so uh, that Jesus is actually the Savior. And he came down not as a Savior, but as a spiritual teacher. And if you will actually fan the flames and receive the teachings of this Jesus, and you can actually transcend and go to heaven and be with the Holy Spirit, which is the equivalent of the Sophia, according to the Gnostic gospel, and then you can actually end up going to heaven as well. Well, here's the million dollar question. What is the demiurge of the modern church? I think I know. It's pretty simple. It's doctrine. Doctrine is the demiurge of the modern church. And none of that happened until that religious bondage came up and out of me. I had to get deliverance because I had been taught against it. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get that demonic doctrine. I had to get that religious spirit up and out of me. And when I did, it was that simple. One of the biggest uh, demons that people yeah. are facing is the spirit of religion. And sometimes that spirit, religious spirit, is hindering us from the ability to receive yes. everything that God has for us. If you've got a box, the only person inside it is you and maybe your church, but he ain't in there. He's on the outside. And if you want to be with him, you're going to have to get on the outside. We limit him because of, of false doctrines that has crept into the church. We limit the Holy One of Israel. God is unlimited.
God is unlimited. God is unlimited. These people do not like to be bound because they believe that this enlightenment, this divine spark, this spiritual power that's been awakened in them is not bound. And they actually say things like, you put God in a box or you limit God. And this whole Gnostic gospel, the entire foundation of this entire system is based off of gnosis and experience and transcending. And they use words like anointing or the spirit or the moving or the awakening or the fire. When they speak about Holy Spirit fire, they are speaking about the divine spark within a man. The Bible simply does not teach that there is a Holy Spirit fire inside of you. When the modern church is praying for the baptism of fire so that they can have a spiritual experience, they're saying the same things that the Gnostics taught, that you need to fan this flame of enlightenment inside of you, which, by the way, when you look at the Baphomet on top of his head, there's a candlestick or a little torch, and that torch has a light. That light is the divine spark that's inside of the people who practice Gnosticism. It also is the same light that the Statue of Liberty is holding up. And the key thing to understand when you, when you want to spot these people, the, the thing you must know is that their demiurge is Bible doctrine. That's who they worry about. That's their enemy. That's the one that they are against. And really, that's how you spot them. Now, let me walk you through a progression. When somebody receives a Gnostic gospel in a church, there's a very serious chain of events. It's almost like a, a satanic cycle that they start going through. I've observed it for years, and it's heartbreaking, and it really is dangerous when you see this. But let me write this down for you. All right, so let me explain this to you. First of all, let's start here at step one. You find that a lost person receives a false gospel and then it has an awakening inside of them. Oftentimes, this awakening does not result in the forsaking of sin. It does not result in a holy life. It just results in a spiritual awakening. The next thing that happens after they have their awakening, is that they are indoctrinated into a Gnostic theology that is disguised as Christian theology. Modern churches are practicing this. And then eventually, they're taught that this spirit inside of them that, that they had, that moved in when they had their awakening, this spirit inside of them can give them power. You now have the ability to decree and to declare. And the way the occult puts it is that you can now use this force for whatever desired effect you have. And they're taught that this spirit can be used now and it can give them power. The next point is that they begin to seek gnosis experiences continually. These people are, it's like it becomes a drug to them. They've got to go to revival after revival, to meeting to meeting, to experience after experience. They're never satisfied. They want to continually have gnosis after gnosis after gnosis because that is the very thing that's feeding this spiritual awakening that they're having. And then once they get familiar enough with this spirit, they eventually learn that they can harness it and invoke this spirit power. And they can do it just like that. They can just call it forth and use it 
and they can invoke it. And then what they eventually do is they, they use this spirit force for a desired outcome and they begin to initiate others into this religion. This is basically the seven steps of the Gnostic Gospel. The fact that there is so much more. There's so much more of God. There's so much more of the kingdom of God. There's secrets in the kingdom. The baptism of the spirit is not rain from heaven. It's a flood from within. you when you know what you're doing when you know how to utilize the tools that God gives you the world around you starts to take the shape of the world that is in you now put your hands in the air everyone is the spirit of healing and miracles falls on this audience I rebuke cancer in the name of Jesus cancer of the throat cancer of the lungs pancreatic cancer Hodgkin's disease I come against it in the name that is above every name it all starts when they receive a false gospel and a false spirit moves inside of them. So what we have shown you so far is that there are two spirits working in the world. There's the Holy Spirit of God and this false esoteric ether energy spirit. We showed you that there was two spiritualities. One is about fulfilling and doing the will of God. And the other, which is mystery religion, is the idea of using this spirit energy to accomplish your goals, become a greater and higher version of yourself. And they are total opposites of each other. There is no way you could marry the two. They're just not compatible. And then also you see that there are two gospels at work in the world today. There is one that says you are good and amazing and wonderful. And there's another one that says that you're not good. You're a monster. You're a sinner. And you need to be born again and redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those are not compatible either. So really what you have is two different systems at play. And the thing about mystery religion is that it is always evolving and changing, uh, but ultimately it really is the same thing. All of these religions that we have spoken about and showed you here ultimately practice the same thing, maybe just a different verbiage here and there, but it really is essentially the same. And it is very important that you know the difference between the two. That takes discernment. And I want to give you this. We're going to go back to the whiteboard again. 
And I want to talk to you about the road to Shambhala. What do I mean by that? Let me just show you this illustration that we've made. We have all the mystery religions here. We have Buddhism, Catholicism, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism. We have paganism and occultism. And then we have over here on the side, we have, Bi we have Bible Christianity. That's what we have here. That's what I am. And all these religions are going to try to come together one day and unite as one mystery religion. And they're going to try to usher in a utopia. And this utopia, we've given it the name Shambhala. That's actually the Buddhist name for their, their version of heaven. But one day an antichrist man is going to step on the scene and he's going to promise the world that if we unite, all come together as one, then there is going to be a beautiful utopia that we can have. And what I've done is I've pointed all these together into one mystery religion here. And what they're going to do, come together as one, and then they are going to take the road to Shambhala. They're going to believe that all of their problems will be answered. All their problems will be solved if they can just come together. But there will always be a holdout. There will always be a remnant of people that are going to say, no, that's not what I am. And the only holdout is going to be true Bible-believing Christians. That's it. But I've got news for you. The devil has an angle. And I want to show it to you. It's right here. There's one group that is going to reach out to this group and try to get them, pull them in to join this and take the road to Shambhala. And this group is going to be called the New Apostolic Reformation, or as many people call it, the NAR. These people are wolves in sheep's clothing. They are what I believe to be Satan's master plan to try to pull as many people out of Christianity into this mystery religion right here. And these people, the New Apostolic Reformation, are going to reach out and try to convince people, come this way, come be one of us, join us. We're Christians just like you, but they're not. One of the things that I'm hearing today from people that really I should not be hearing this from Christians is the idea of judge not, don't judge, don't judge. That's the worst thing you could ever do is judge. And the truth is that's foolishness. You live in the age of deception. You live in the age of wolves in sheep's clothing. And there are so many people we put in this documentary. We put Stephen Furtick. We've put uh, T.D. Jakes. We've put Paula White. We've put Bill Johnson of Bethel Church. We've put Tony Evans and several other people in there that just have horrible theology. They don't fit into the mold of Bible-believing Christianity. They fit into the molds of the mystery religions. Can I ask you to do something? And this may be hard for some of you to do, but I really want you to do it. I want you to see this chart here and see all these religions. Really, they're taking the road to Shambhala. They're trying to unite together and create some little utopia. And really, the road to Shambhala is the road to hell. I want all Christian people to do this. I want you to point out these people in this circle right here, the New Apostolic Reformation. There's people joining their ranks every day but we've tried to point you to the names and faces of who these people are and give you principles so that you can identify other people that may join the ranks of this because really the faces of this movement here is a revolving door. Today it's Joel Osteen, tomorrow it's somebody else, tomorrow it's another guy. But we tried to give you the principles in this film so that you can identify these people for the generations to come. So here's the thing that I want you to do. 
It's pretty simple, but for some Christians, this is going to be a difficult thing. I'm going to try to draw an illustration. I hope you never forget it. Here we go. Let's draw it. I just drew a box around the word Christianity, and I did so because I want that to represent a hard barrier between you and this mess right here. Everything here is from hell. Everything here is mystery religion. Everything in that, in that side right there is wickedness. It is evil. It is false doctrine. And everybody who embraces these things here is going to hell when they die. This right here is the road to heaven. This right here is the road to hell. And just like Noah walked into an ark, a box, if you will, Christian people must box themselves off and not fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And I believe that word darkness in your Bible has esoteric implications and an esoteric meaning. It is the dark ether spirit energy. Get yourself away from the darkness. Partition yourself off. What we call it is ecclesiastical separation. Practice separation from this crowd. You must do so because not only is it a very useful, practical thing to do, it's also a biblical command. And what happens oftentimes is that this crowd right here, this, this wicked, horrible NAR crowd will write a catchy tune and a catchy song and they'll reach out again and say, hey, look, why don't you come buy my music? And, 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 and they're always trying to court and seduce. But if you've got that wall up, that wall of doctrine around you, then it's, you, you're not going to have anything to do with this. But I, here's what I find today. In the name of love and in the name of being positive and in the name of I don't want to offend anybody, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, people are taking that wall down and this stuff is coming in. And because they open up the wall, what happens is the reach of this ugly monster comes in. And whole churches have been swept away, taking the road to Shambhala. Whole denominations, really, of good people have been swept away because they wouldn't hold up the line. They would not resist the fellowship with the false wolves in sheep's clothing. They had no discernment. And because they were too nice, they were just too nice, they let that wall fall down. And next thing you know, you, you literally have churches that are ordaining homosexuals and drag queens. And I mean, you, you literally have whole denominations of Christians in America who are saying that we serve the same God as the Roman Catholics. What happened? They joined with all this because they wouldn't put the wall up. That's the message. That's Spencer Smith's message for you. That's the message of the Third Adam series. That's what it's all about. Now, let me show you another tactic that's being used today by mystery religion practitioners in order to seduce people to join it. And it's pretty clever, but I want you to see it, okay? What they have done 
and we're going to use the Gnostic chart that we have created for you earlier, is that they've told you that, that you're locked in a cage here and that there's a demiurge and he's a bad guy and he's, he's locked you in here. What we're going to do is we're going to send some sort of liberating force your way. And we're going to try to get you to escape this demiurge right here. And what happens is that there are these mystery religion practitioners who are giving us music and they're giving us conferences and they're giving us these sermons. And they're saying that there's a whole other dimension to this. You guys are just being narrow-minded. You're trapped in some sort of religious system and we can liberate you. And they claim that uh, you're, you're in bondage to some demiurge-like force. And they say that there's a wonderful experience outside of this guy right here and it's a the road to shambhala this right here this plan here is the road to shambhala you can have a whole nother dimension and there's a verse in the bible that says while they promise you liberality they themselves are the servants of corruption these people are promising you that there's more there's a better way there's a more fulfilling way and they're promising you literally the exact same thing that lucifer promised eve in the garden of eden except instead of being in the garden of eden you're trapped in a church you're trapped in a doctrinal system and they're telling you you can break free of that and really what they are is they're mystics mysticism is not how the Bible is to be interpreted, and it's not how Bible-believing Christianity works. All they talk about is the Spirit told me. And when they do use the Bible, they use it so horribly and so vaguely that they make the Bible mean anything that they wanted to mean. Stephen Furtick is really one of the worst guys about that. These people are trying to seduce you to take a road away from a demiurge and have some mystical experience and come on up here with us. Come on and be with us in Shambhala where everything is wonderful and all these amazing things are happening. They literally are preaching the exact same message of the New Agers because they are new age religion practitioners. Joel Osteen's not a Christian. T.D. Jakes is not a Christian. Stephen Furtick is not a Christian. Absolutely not. These men are literally wolves in sheep's clothing. The road to Shambhala, and what I mean by that, is that there are people out there trying to tell you to escape this, this demiurge. The demiurge that they want you to escape. That's what they're telling you to leave. And they're promising you that there's a deeper and fuller experience when you break free from that. I want to tell you this again, just like we did in the last illustration. I want, I want you to see this. I want you, in your mind, to draw a big, fat box around you and around doctrine. And I want you to stay in this box and never leave it. Stay in the box. The old charismatic adage is that you put God in the box. Well, let me show you my box that I put God in. It's right here. It's my Bible. It's the Word of God. And I don't put God in a box. God has put Himself in this box. And He says, anything you want to know about me is right here. Anything outside of this box right here is not true. Stay in the box. Stay in the book. Your initial reaction to everything that you hear a so-called preacher say in this day should be, 
to open a Bible and say, show me in here. And if they can't do that, then they are trying to lead you down the road of mysticism, which is the road to Shambhala. All mystery religions are based on a mystical experience that is subjective and based upon human emotion. And the opposite of that is how Bible-believing Christianity works. God works according to this book right here. And if it ain't in that book, then I don't believe it. And if it's outside that box, I'm not going to embrace it. I think it's time that we build the wall again. I think it's time that we say, by God's grace, I'm going to stay in this box. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, I beg you, I plead with you, please come to Christ today. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Get away from all these mystery religions. There's only one way to heaven. And there's a million roads to hell. And I want to tell you that if you are in a church that is having these new apostolic reformation people that is preaching these mystical things, these outside the box experiences, these charismatic, these new apostolic reformation churches, I beg you to leave. I beg you to leave. We've got a website. We'll help you find a church. But folks, I want to tell you this. There's always, there's always going to be somebody who's sent from hell to try to come in and try to sweep us away into all this mystical stuff and to try to get us to leave the box. And I want to tell you, you better stay in that box like your life depends on it, because it does. It does. Doctrine matters. And stay in the box, because inside that box, you'll find the Lord. We pray that this film was a blessing to you. After all the study I've done, I've come to I've come to rejoice even more in the fact that I'm saved, that God saved me. But all of this does what it does for me is it makes me want to love my Bible more. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go sit down and read it. And let it tell me about who my Savior is. I love him. And I think I'll just stay in the box with my Lord. Y'all can have Shambhala if you want to, but I'm staying in the box. God bless you.